Guess that person, how some of us have aged well and beautifully. I'm talking about you, Wayne and Janet. Very good. Uh, things in common in all of those pictures, apart from white dresses and well-dressed and all that kind of stuff? Weddings? Come on, things in common. Yes, yeah, smiles. Love. You didn't hear that, you didn't need to hear it. That's all right. So be quiet, Royce, for the rest of the meeting. Each one of those on that day made a commitment, a covenant. And they used different words, but the covenant has led for each of those and for many others to a life of serving together, where they learned that they had to move from a I language to a we language. And sometimes the I got in the way and there was a little bit of, look, they fight, let's face it. And sometimes there had to be some fighting and some, yeah, some celebrations, some uh, forgiveness, so that they came back to the we language. You got it? So that's where we're going today. Often we talk about a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. True? And it's great to have that. When Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Saviour, when we invite this God, known to us through Jesus, into our lives, and he's rescued us, delivered us, and dealt with our sin problem. And he becomes the Lord, because we make a commitment to follow this God, whom we call Lord. Sometimes we talk about being a child of God. And you know, often I've got to go back to that picture. Sometimes I need to be that child so that I can feel the provision, the comfort, the care, all of those things that parental God does for us, the Father God. And sometimes friend of God, just chatting, just talking, having a good morning, Lord. How are you today? Sometimes it's reminding myself that I'm a servant. Paul used slave. Jesus actually said that he came to serve us. Interesting. We use lots of metaphors to say that God is rock, shepherd, inferring that I'm a sheep, these are true and lovely ways of drawing our relationship with God. And I invite you to take different ways of looking at your relationship with God. But today, I want to invite you to look at a different way. We don't often talk about being in partnership with God. The we language. God and me and us. We, together. I had to do a little talk to myself just before I came up here and say, it's not about you, Sandy, it's about we. So I want to talk about the partnership, working alongside together for a common good. The Bible calls it covenant. What's a covenant? It's a relationship of promise, 
and commitment. With obligations, ceremonies, ratifications. Most people these days have got a ring. And lots of times of remembering, but it's very, very relational. You got that? I'll say it again. I said it slowly. You got it? It's a relationship of promise, of commitment, of with obligations, ceremonies, ratifications, and very relational. If you don't remember anything else today, remember that. So our God story and the God story with his creation is a covenantal story. It's all about covenant. We don't actually hear that word in the beginning, but the actions of God show that from the beginning to the end, it's about a covenant, a coming together of mutual commitment, of mutual love, so that together we can do life. In the beginning, God created humans to be like God, to be in partnership to live the good life. Look at this verse. Verses from Genesis. Genesis, we always go back there because there's good theology in Genesis. If you want to know anything, go back to Genesis. It's all there. Genesis 1. God said, God said, God spoke, let us, got the wee language? Let us make humans in our image, in our likeness, so that they together may rule over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. Ruling. You got it? Ruling. Let them rule. So God created mankind in God's own image, in the image of God. He created us. We are like God. Get it? You got it? We got flesh. We're limited. But we have spirit. We're creative. We speak, we hear, we listen, we love. We have a will. We think. We are made like God, a humans together in his image. And God blessed them and said to them, notice the word bless, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, got it again, rule over the fish, in the sea, birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on it. There it is again, told it to us. So here we have God creating humans to work with God, their creator, in this place that is created called Earth. This is the arena of our ruling. Under and with God, together. We can do it. Together, we will do it. God created. A good God created. You might remember this saying. We've said it over and over from the stage. A good God created a good world in which God placed good people to do good work. Everything is good. A quote from John Dixon that we've used a lot. Good God created good people on a good earth to do 
good works. And if you can't remember about God is good, go back to the theology series last time and tune in to Tony Aldred's message on God is good, because I haven't got time to go there today. <laughs> but it doesn't stop here. We are to partner with our creator to spread this goodness throughout the whole world. What do you say? I bless you, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, spread the goodness of God. This means that the blessed ones, because God blessed humans, all the other creatures were made, all the other creation God, God alone blessed humans. He blessed them to become a blessing. Now that word is overdone, overused, without a lot of meaning. I sneeze, someone would probably say, God bless you, whatever. Living the life of blessing is to flourish as you are, who you are, where you are. You got it? And it means living a life of abundance. That does not necessarily mean material abundance. I have been blessed and enjoyed the blessings of gypsies in Spain, of the poor in Nepal, in the gutters of, of um, Calcutta. Their life has been enriched. One lady once shared her bread with me and I didn't particularly want to eat it. It was stale and I shoved it in my little pocket and then I saw all the ants crawling out of it. <laughs> it was covered in ants. She shared what she had because she was living the abundant life, a joy-filled life in harmony, at peace, in harmony with my God, the Creator, with myself, not all this terrible agitation within, but the peace of God that rules. Living well, a joy-filled life in harmony, at one with God, self and creation. That's what covenant is about. You got it? Being a blessing. But the word covenant doesn't appear in Genesis 1 and 3. It's just God being God. But you know that humans messed up. And we've had that story spoken again from here over and over, where there is this storyline of the covenantal God who keeps his promise. He is the only promise keeper in the world. He is the only one who could keep the promises of commitment. God himself committed himself to humans. You got that? And there's never been an unfaithful day in his life. This is our God. We are invited to understand that this God is a covenantal God who desires this relationship of promise and commitment. Our mission, our calling, even though locally we say it's to be a door of hope in a broken and fragile world, that is to share the goodness of God with others. This is our mission, to live well, to live the blessed life, and to give it away. Stipulation, of course, always has obedience, and uh, our first parents broke their promises, couldn't keep it, and consequently, from that day on, we've lived as uh, people who are victims of broken promises, of covenant breakers. 
And so we have this new promise of God given in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where after that serpent tempted uh, Adam and Eve, there was this verse that says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, the woman's offspring and you. He, Satan, will strike your head and you, human, will strike his hill. That is the first little bit of God coming about to restore the curse of the sin. And we're going to see that curse reversed as we go and learn about this good life. Blessing, remember, flourishing, abundant, wellness, life. Curse, living my way, hoping that I will be blessed out of my scarcity and brokenness with hard toil. That's what we've reduced blessing to. Doing it my way without God, not us together. So we are promised the reversal of this in the covenant story. Now, I'm supposed to give theology of covenant. I don't really have a lot of time to do that, okay? Next year, we will be doing this in a fuller way slower. But I just want to introduce there's four covenants in the Old Testament. I'm going to do it very quickly because I want to get onto the promise keeper who restored and reversed it. So the first covenant was with a man called Noah. Noah, you remember that one? Because after Adam and Eve sinned, the world went from bad to worse to worse. You read one chapter and they say they lived this so many years and they died. They died. They died. There's corruption, there's murder, there's, there's horrible stuff happening. And God is filled with grief. The God who went into covenant, the faithful God, grieves over unrequited love. So there's only one option left, destroy the world. The wrath of God is there because of the sin of humanity. But there's one man, Noah. And so Noah is to rescue God's creation and the flood waters come. Now the flood waters come and there's havoc and chaos. That reminds us of what Genesis 1.1 says. In the beginning the world was dark, formless, all of this turmoil and chaos. And so you've got a little picture of a recreation after this, God makes a promise with Noah. You can read the Noah story, Genesis 7, 8, 9. Or you can listen again next year when you pop along. <laughs> uh, but here it is, God makes a covenant, and the words are nearly the same as in Genesis, where God says, and you, Noah and your family, be fruitful and multiply around the earth and multiply. Fill it. God said to his sons, as for me, I will establish a covenant with you, with you and your descendants after you, with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and, and every animal on earth, as many as I came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that I will never again destroy flesh like this. Now, what God is saying here is that the earth is the place where the goodness of God is to be lived and shared. And we are to establish this goodness in harmony with God 
and with creation and with each other. And it's like a new creation. But this is one covenant that is only one-sided. God doesn't demand anything. He is just saying the earth is given to you to live out your life in relationship with me. Of course, Noah blew it, and so did all the rest of the people following him. And our next covenant is a man called Abraham. God appears to Abraham out of the blue. I hope he does that to you sometimes. But God appeared to him and said, okay, Noah, I want you... Sorry, Abraham. I'm trying to do this as quickly as I can. Uh, I want you to get up and go to a place where you haven't got a clue where you're going. Could you do that? Could you do that? Pack up your family, your servants, all your belongings, not in your car, but in your caravans of camels and donkeys. Could you do that? That is a commitment of faith to the word of God. And God says, I'm giving you a promise. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. You will bless others. All the family of the earth will be blessed. There's a very small paragraph in in Genesis, still in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. But this small paragraph, which we will read, is the framework of the rest of the Bible. The whole framework. The rest of the story of God is about these three verses. Lord said to Noah, go, go, go from your country and your kindred and your family's house, father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and through you, all the families on this earth, this world, will be blessed through you, Abraham. And later in chapter 15, you find a proper ceremony of the covenant, which I'd love to explore with you, but you read it at home, because in that one, land is added. God promises through covenant that he will be God for Abraham, and Abraham has to respond with, okay, Lord, I'm not really sure I know totally who you are, But out of the blue, something's happened. A God that I didn't know has turned up, and I'll say, here I am. Faith, it's called. Last week's message. Here I am. I don't know. don't know what, but here I am. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. And that's the story. Hebrews picks it up and says, by faith, Abraham believed, and he saw a country. He didn't die. He died, sorry, without getting there. Uh, Abraham, of course, tried to fulfill God's promises, like we all do. Tried to bring it around. He was in a hurry. And because of that, we still suffer the consequences of Abraham's sin to this day, where there's war in the Middle East, continually, every year, all the time. 400 years later, this family find themselves broken in Egypt. Through the story of Joseph, they go there. They are not blessed. They do not have a land. They're a large family. There was a time when they blessed the land of Egypt and every other country who came for food, and now they are slaves. Has God forgotten them? Has God forgotten his promise? Where has God? 
Through the prayer of a faithful few who remember the God story, they remember and they cry out to God and God hears them. Since Moses, Moses' story again, a complicated story, not really a fine fellow until much later in life when he learns to live with faith in his God. He even didn't want to do what God told him. He said, send someone else. So God was gracious and gave him Aaron. But here we come to the next covenant with Moses, where this time it's not just with one man, it's with a nation, a family, a people of God. God says when they come out of Egypt, through the story that you can read further on, he brought them out of slavery through the Red Sea to this big mountain. And God said, see, I've rescued you. I came, you called for me. I'm the God who rescues. I'm the God who delivers. And I would like to make a covenant with you. I'd like to be your God. And you can be my people. And I will bless you. And you will be a blessing to every other nation. And so God gave them a stipulations of the covenant. They had to make a commitment. Do you know what they were? The Ten Commandments. Worship no one else by me, but me. Worship me alone, he said. And then he gave a whole lot of what that meant. By loving God with all of who you are, all of what you are, all of who you are, as a family, as a nation, and love your neighbour. Treat people decently and kindly. Obligations to obey. Of course, they failed. Years went by, sin, 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 along comes David. Because the people said, we want to be like the other people. We don't want to be different. We don't want to be the special people of God. We want to be like other nations. God, give us a king. And so we have a story, and God made a covenant with their second king, David, who it is said had a heart after God, even though he was a murderer and an adulterer. He knew how to repent. He knew the power of forgiveness. He didn't treat his family very well. He was awkwardly human, but he loved God. And God said when David wanted to build a permanent place for God, God said, no, I'm going to build a permanent dynasty so that there will be a forever king from the throne of David that will rule forever and ever. And it will be a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of just, justice. And you know what? A thousand years later, the people broke the covenant. They lived in sin. They turned from God. They turned back to God. God sent prophets. They turned. They repented. They left. The life went round like this, just like our people today. There was always the faithful ones, faithful ones. And we come a thousand years later to Jesus. Jesus. Son of Abraham. Son of Adam, human, came in the flesh. The blessing of all nations. The one who reversed the curse given in Genesis chapter 3 and became the curse because it was written, cursed is anyone who dies on a cross. And on that cross, Jesus became our curse so that we could live the life of blessing. He fulfilled every, every, every bit of the law, not just on the surface, but deep within, and served God 
with love and knew that everything he did, he did to please Father God through the power of the Spirit that came upon him at his baptism. So the son of David, the son of an Israelite, son of Abraham, all of those covenants fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus. And we live, and I'm so glad we live this side of the covenants. So glad. Because the Spirit of God is given to each of us so that we're empowered to love. We're empowered to live the good life, where we can have peace with God, where we can have good relationships with others. I just ask you about your others' commitment. Is there someone in this room that you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to make amends with? Because you can't live the good life if there's a little bit of grudging, a little bit of, I'm not speaking to that person, I don't like them. That's not living the good life. Living a good life is living well with God, well with myself, and well with others and looking after this world. Yes, through Jesus, we can have a personal relationship. Yes, through Jesus, we can call ourselves children of God because of the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Yes, we can call ourselves servants of God. Yes, we can call ourselves the lost sheep who found the shepherd. Yes, we can call ourselves friends of God. Yes, Jesus can be our rock and our shield and our salvation. But best of all, we're invited to be a partner and partner and do life through a covenantal commitment with our God so that we can live the good life in this world, sharing the goodness. And it's not about me doing it my way, it's about we. God and me and you. We together can do this. We fail, we get our lives in a mess. God remains faithful. And he just says, confess, put it right. Restore relationships if you've broken relationships. If you've done the wrong thing, do the right thing. Just get on with life and stop feeling guilty and condemned just because you failed or someone failed you. It's not the story. The story is the good life, the power of God within us. You got it? The Holy Spirit saying, share it. Share this goodness with the world. Here's the one who is the only promise keeper. I can't even keep promises. Again today, I had to say, God, I give myself to you for today. We can do this, Lord. We can do it. So God says to each of us here, come on up, come on, come on. Together we can do it. Join in the will of God. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven through the good people that he created to do goodness in this world, as covenanted people doing his covenant. This God is faithful. This God keeps his promise. This God never, ever, ever disappoints. I do. Others do. God doesn't. Even though it seems like it for a moment, this God loves. And that means he always wants the best for me, for you, for us. Love. There's no one else. Love. It accepts, delights, and makes me feel so special because I'm in partnership with this triune God. Secure God, an all-knowing God. The best is yet to come. The Spirit is alive and well, wanting to speak into your life, 
wanting to do life with you, wanting to bring abundance, wanting to bring enrichment, desiring all he wants from us is trust, faith, working with him, desiring us to be in harmony with him. Come on, let's trust our God. We can do this because our God is the promise keeper, the way maker. True? You know that beautiful psalm, and I'll finish with this. Your covenant love, your steadfast love, often translated that way, unfailing love, is as vast as the oceans. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds into each one of us today. Here is your God saying, let us do life together.